Alright, what is up, goobers and goobettes? Welcome to another edition of The Others. This is episode two. Uh, for the day the day delay, I was just getting back from beautiful Cabo San Lucas, so some free advertisement for them. Uh, that place rocks. But uh, apparently a lot has happened in those uh, last week. I also just got done watching the Super Showdown pay-per-view in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. By the way, they finally mentioned Saudi Arabia. That was a big no-no for a while. This Undertaker-Goldberg match, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but uh, it was probably what you would all expect. It's it's kind of sad to watch, but it was what it was. Well, let's get to why this podcast is called The Others. Uh, we're going to start off with some Impact Wrestling. Uh, we're still in Philadelphia. Uh, this week starts the uh, New York City tapings. I think they've already done them. I think they did them last night in the Melrose Ballroom. And those tapings, I believe they have one more week in Philadelphia. And then they're on their way to New York City uh, on the road to Slammiversary, which... Again, already had tickets, second row, so that will be a lot of fun. I think there's still some general mission tickets left if you have something to do on 4th of July weekend. And also that weekend is the New Japan show, so you get like a little mini wrestling weekend of sorts in Dallas. If you're not doing anything on 4th of July weekend, why not watch watch some good old-fashioned wrestling? <clears throat> All right, starting with Impact Review. Uh... The Impact Top 5, I was not able to uh, see the full-length show due to me being in Cabo. I did manage to catch the Top 5. So the, so the, they give you like the five segments of the show, which, I mean, they deem them the most important. So I'm going to deem them the most important. Uh, the Deaners beat the Desi Hit Squad. The Deaners just came in. Uh, the Redneck Yee team. They beat the Desi Hit Squad, who were kind of getting on a little roll, but I guess are now back to being jobbers of the tag team division. What was interesting, though, is uh, Rohit, Raju, and Raj Singh got in a miscommunication, which cost them the victory. Uh, could mean they're breaking up, which at this point, um, the Desi Hit Squad has done little to nothing. So if you got something with either one of them, I know Rohit Raju has been... Uh, getting some steam online. He's getting kind of over on social media. It actually got him a match at Rebellion because of his social media presence. So maybe they'll try something with Rohit just to kind of split up the team and see what he can do on his own. Uh, Raj, I don't really see much in him. He's big. Uh, that's about it. <clears throat> Probably the most entertaining segment of the night, Tessa Blanchard versus Disco Inferno. I could not... Uh, wait for this match. Uh, this was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. For those still who don't appreciate how good Disco Inferno is, Glenn Colberti, uh, watch this segment. Uh, she told Tessa Blanchard that she's had daddy issues her entire life, and tonight she'll be her new daddy. That didn't go so well for Mr. Gilberti, as he got squashed in about 45 seconds, and he should have. For all these people... That shit on this guy because he's of some things he says. He knows how to get heat and he knows how to get people over. Tessa got over on Glenn Gilberti and it was fun to see the crowd in 
the ECW arena. Absolutely loved it. And it was, of course, very entertaining. <clears throat> Sorry, got something. Ugh, probably still sick from that bash at the beach y'all made me watch. More on that later. Uh, the extreme team of Tommy Dreamer, Sandman, Sabu. They beat the Moose and the North in the six-man uh, hardcore match. Uh, it was solid from what I saw. Uh, Sabu looks great, by the way, since getting the new hip. So that is very nice to see. Van Dam uh, was critical whenever he came in. Thought he wouldn't be nearly as good. Obviously, I knew he wasn't going to be as good as he was. But even as good from the last time I saw him, which was, I believe, in 14? 14 or 15? Whenever he had that last WWE run. And he was definitely looking like I was on the climb. But Van Dam looks great. He's doing... And he's getting over, and that's what Impact needs. They need a buzz. They need a spark, which uh, we're going to get to that later on one of their pay-per-views that's coming up. Uh, Sandman helps Eddie Edwards beat Killer Cross in another uh, street fight. I get it's ECW Arena, so but I usually don't like two, two hardcore matches in the same night. This was excellently done. Sandman comes out looking as great as ever, and only Sandman could. Uh, he canes Killer Cross in the gut, and a Boston knee party spells the end for Killer Cross. And then at the end, the big part of the story is Sandman gifts Eddie Edwards with the cane for a new Kenny. As you know, Killer Cross killed his last stick. So that's obviously a nice rub to have for Eddie Edwards. With with the Sandman um, getting some retribution, or just getting a nice little cameo. I don't know where if it'll go anywhere, but uh, we'll see in New York. And the main event of the show was Rich Swan and Willie Mack actually defeating Johnny Impact and Michael Elgin. Uh, Michael Elgin got a nice little tidbit of news this week. He is now the new number one contender for the Impact World Title. He will be getting that in Dallas at Slammiversary on July the 7th on pay-per-view. Uh, very excited for that main event. It's gonna be, I think it's going to be a great match. Just two guys just hard-hitting. Two big guys, just big, big boys. Uh, Swan, though, got the victory in the tag match after Elgin and Impact had a little miscommunication. Big theme on the show, it seems. And uh, Johnny was left alone by Big Mike. Who wanted no part of it. And Rich Swan got the victory over Johnny Impact, a former world champion. So that's a big that's a big dub for him. And it was also announced this week that Rich Swan will defend the X Division title against Johnny Impact. Uh, remember, Johnny Impact won that Ultimate X match back on WrestleMania weekend. United we stand. So he is guaranteed a opportunity at the X Division Championship. And based on what I saw on the Impact Top 5, again, I didn't see the whole show due to me. So these are going to be, I apologize for the reviews today. That I didn't. I just did not have time to view every single product uh, during the uh, rest of the show. Um, during a vacation. Sorry, a little flustered today. Um... Also, we have Eli Drake, free of his Impact Wrestling contract, 
good for Eli Drake. He has in a big contract dispute, uh, depending on his dates or when he can get his no compete clause. Uh, apparently, it was six months, six or nine months, before he could actually work on the Indies. That's why you haven't really heard of him much. But uh, he won, or I guess Impact didn't care, and they just want to be done with him. Eli Drake is a guy that was in NXT, uh, previously Championship Wrestling for Hollywood, and he really didn't do anything of note. Uh, He was Slate Randall in NXT. What a great name that is. Uh, He comes over to Impact. He is uh, with Drew Galloway and Micah, who is now part of the Gorillas of Destiny. And Eli Drake becomes kind of the star of the group, the new guy. They had Micah and they had Eli Drake. I didn't really like Eli Drake at first. Thought he talked too much like The Rock, and his in-ring work wasn't stellar. He definitely improved over the last year, year and a half. Um, he left or got fired actually during United We Stand after apparently he refused to uh, work an intergender match with Tessa Blanchard. So it'll be interesting to see where Eli Drake goes from here. Could he go back to NXT? Maybe. If they really want him. I don't know if they really want him. They've kind of been down that road, but they've done it with EC3. They've done it with Cassius Ono. Uh, they've, they've signed guys that were there before and not and haven't gone again. Um, places that make a lot of sense to me is MLW. He seems like a perfect fit there. Uh, they need guys, kind of more more guys just under contract. They're going to lose some guys. I think they're going to lose MJF to All Elite. I can't see um, him staying there once the uh, All Elite contra- or TV deal starts up, whenever that may be. But they're going to need some guys with name value, and Eli Drake's got some name value. He's got more than a lot of guys on the MLW roster. So I think that would be a great fit for him. Um, and also in news, uh, Impact gains another superstar, TJ Perkins. Yeah, I haven't heard that name in a while. He was actually released from WWE in March with the Kenta Sean Spears group. It was Kenta Sean Spears, and that might have been it. But uh, his issues were more attitude issues, which apparently have been well documented. He's kind of been a guy that's burned bridge everywhere he's gone. And, I mean, WWE wasn't really doing much with him anyways. Ever s- he actually won the first Cruiserweight title, as crazy as that seems. Won the Cruiserweight Classic. That was a big hit on the WWE Network a couple years ago. And really since then has done really nothing of note. But uh, he's back in Impact, if you remember. It's already been six years. Wow. Uh, he was manic or an, and suicide. He was both of them. And he had a nice little run in TNA, back when it was TNA, and held the X Division title a couple of times. And I think he actually left Impact due to behavior issues. But uh, Don Callis obviously doesn't know the TJP that has the behavior issues. Maybe he can get the most out of them. He's a very talented guy. Uh, Impact could use more guys in their X Division. And I obviously wish him the best. I think... Hopefully you get a more mature T.J. Perkins. He was working for Callahan's Company, Ohio. Did some dates over there. And obviously seems more refreshed. And he's another one of those guys that 
talked about his exit from WWE, saying he used to love wrestling and WWE kind of killed his passion. And you kind of hate to hear that from you know a pro wrestler or anyone in their job that just doesn't want to do it. So hopefully it works out for him. Uh, MLW up next, Fury Road recap in the Wakasha Expo Center in Wakasha, Wisconsin. I probably butchered that name. A very cool looking building, by the way. It has like that that ceiling, like the I think like Madison Square Garden, that wood ceiling at the top, or at least it looks like it. It's a very cool look. It looked like a very good crowd as well. In Wakasha, Wakasha, it's fun to say. Uh, Fury Road actually was an hour live, and they're going to do tapings of the other matches we predicted last time, such as Davey Boy Smith and MJF, which is actually next week, not on the show. I did not know that. Like I said, I'm getting more into Ring of, or uh, into MLW, so I don't really know how exactly they do all of their scheduling or their TV taping. So this is what I've learned to know. But the three matches, there was only three matches on the live actual Fury Road. Uh, Gringo Loco defeated Myron Reed, a very entertaining match. High flying uh, Myron Reed doing a nice old gimmick saying that the system is putting him down. Uh, he's carrying around uh, signs, protest signs. Uh, he's got tape over his mouth saying he won't be silenced. And apparently he has a feud with the referee. Uh, I forgot what his name was. Anyway. So anyway, the point was that the referee kind of... He kind of accidentally screwed him, even though Myron Reed was messing with him the entire time. But uh, he was kept on pulling on his pants, Reed, that is. And the referee kept on trying to check him. And uh, Gringo Loco caught him. While he was arguing with the referee, and Gringo Loco won the match. It was a very entertaining match with a spinning tombstone. And then Reed pulls out some knucks out of his trunks and blasts Loco in the face with it. So very smart uh, booking decision, I feel. It told a very simple old school story that it kind of looked like, oh, the referee's just picking on him. But in actuality, Myron Reed did have something in his trunks. Now, the one thing that did bother me. After he gets hit with these alleged brass knucks, in a matter of seconds, Gringo Loco's back up. He's kind of selling. Like he's selling that he got hurt, but he's walking away. I know you're a pro wrestler. You're supposed to be a larger than life hero. If you get hit with a pair of brass knucks, though, you're not walking away from it. I'm, I'm sorry. You're just not. You, at least, at the very least, Get carried out. No, you don't even need a stretcher. Just have guys come out and help you out of the arena. Don't just walk away from it. That's just my, maybe that's just me putting too much into it. But that's just my two cents on that. Uh, we also hear from Rich Bokini and Jim Cornette that it is uh, hailing cats and dogs outside. That a lot of people are missing their flights or running it very running it very thin on their flights. Uh, and they said Dom Lawler's not here yet because of possible flight delays. When in actuality, we find the look outside. Now, this bothered me too. 
They say it's raining. It's been raining cats and dogs all day long. All day. So, they filmed this video. The Contra unit, who we know has been terrorizing MLW in the last couple of weeks. They filmed this video of them kidnapping and assaulting Tom Lawler. And we'll get to that. Get to that portion. And it's bright daylight outside. So my feeling is obviously they didn't tape this in Wisconsin or they tape they taped it another day or they're just lying about the weather, which I don't think they were. I looked at the weather report and it looked like it was raining. Raining pretty good. Because I looked afterwards. I was like, it's got to be a typo or something. No, it was raining at whenever earlier in the morning or the afternoon. But that bothered me. And so they kidnap him, Tom Lawler, literally tie him up, put some tape on his mouth, and do like some torture video on him. And they get very, very uncomfortable with it. They like, and then they actually cut his hair. They cut his hair on the show. Cut his hair on the show. And Tom Waller apparently was beaten, bloodied, and was seeking medical attention immediately after, afterwards. So the Contra unit has definitely made Tom Waller a victim again. It's back-to-back weeks. Uh, Selena Del Rente also says that she's going to be the, uh, the boss next week. As the executive producer, um, uh, good for her. She's a very entertaining character. Uh, can talk, nice on the eyes, and a very entertaining character. And people hate her. Yeah, people don't like her. The MLW crowd really doesn't like her. Be interesting to see how they go forward with the Ricky Martinez and Loki stuff, along with LA Park having the title shot. Because it's looking like he's going to cash in that thing pretty soon if. You know, Contra unit keeps beating the crap out of Tom Lawler each day. Uh, Hammerstone defeated Brian Pillman Jr. for the National Openweight Championship. A uh, solid match. I thought it was the weakest match of the of the uh, hour-long program. Uh, Hammerstone has come a long way since looking like Triple H's clone. Uh, you can actually go look it up. I know... You just look it up from his early indie days. Looks like a total Triple H clone. I actually saw him in an indie show uh, for Lions Pride Sports. They're a nice little indie of ours around the College Station area. And Hammerstone was in their main event back when he was younger. Not too young, like last year or something. But uh, yeah, looks like looks exactly like Triple H. And once he uh, signs that MLW contract, totally reinvents himself. And I think it's a great, obviously a great move. Great move for him. They probably told him that. And uh, he has probably the best finisher outside outside of the WWE, the Nightmare Pendulum. He takes him up for a suplex and then slams him down. It's not just that he slams him down. It's like the old elevator that Matt Morgan used to do. But he sits, sits down with it and does it with such velocity. It's just a beautiful move and a great finisher. And he looked good in this match. Brian Pillman looked good. Um, Hammerstone gets the victory. Clean one, two, three. Cuts a promo afterwards, which was all right. 
I don't really remember much of it because it wasn't really that memorable. Um, this was another thing of the show. Uh, you could not hear the music at all. I don't even know if they were playing music. But uh, they did a good job miking the crowd. They did a good job miking the audience. The only production flaw was they could not get the theme music going. And this was on the YouTube video that they posted afterwards, so couldn't even do it in post-production. Um, the main event of this week was Teddy Hart and Jimmy Havoc, Jim Cornette's favorite wrestler. All sarcasm. Uh, Jimmy Havoc, England's most dangerous man. If you did not know that, uh, you will know by the end of the show. They slammed it down your throat, Michael Cole style. <laughs> you can see why. Uh, Vince McMahon liked him for a period of time. Uh, they have this title match. They go back and forth for a little bit. And then Jimmy Havoc, or Jimmy Havoc and Teddy Hart both bring chairs out. Uh, the ring announcer, who is a Tim Barr, was a great ring announcer for wrestling, by the way. Very deep uh, voice, and sounds like he's about to have a hernia every single time he speaks. Just love a guy like that. They both bring chairs out, and they supposed, and they both try to hit each other with these chairs in this match that, uh, to my knowledge, was not a no-DQs match, not a street fight or anything like that, but uh, Bokini said on, on, the air, on the commentary that all Jimmy Havoc matches are relaxed rules. Um, what? So just this particular guy gets special treatment. Because of the way he is, the way he has a style, just book it a hardcore match then. That didn't make any sense to me. It was relaxed rules, and they did everything. If these rules were very relaxed, then these were the most relaxed rules ever. Uh, they hit each other with chairs. They hit each other on the guardrails. They did everything possible you could do. They even busted Teddy Hart wide open. Uh, they did a bunch of Canadian destroyers, which that's another thing that bothers me. Uh, they did a lot of high-flying moves. Um, had some staple guns. Same old Jimmy Havoc stuff. Or paperclip. Not the stunk, not the staple gun. They had the, the 8x10s that they used as paper cuts, which is just frightening but uh it was it was a good match it was solid um teddy wins the match and retains the middleweight championship and afterwards dynasty comes out and then the heart foundation comes out and we fade the black fade the black after all that and on to next week which is davy boy and mjf mlw Announced last week that they're going to come to Dallas. Uh, they announced a date, a venue, and a name for the show now. Uh, we're having War Chamber, which I guess is the love child of the Elimination Chamber in War Games. I have no idea. The venue is the NYTEX Sports Center in Dallas. I believe it's a practice facility for, I believe it's a practice facility for the Stars. Don't quote me on that. And it will be September 7th in Dallas. And tickets are on sale Monday at 10 a.m. MLW seems like it's a very fun 
atmosphere. They get great crowds every single time. And, you know, if you're in the Dallas area, which, you know, good for them, they have Slammiversary. They have uh, the New Japan show the day before. And I believe um, they have a Raw coming up very soon. So a lot of wrestling in the Dallas area for all you Dallas people out there. All right, we're going to move on to Ring of Honor. And later on in the show, I'm going to talk about the uh, talk about the glorious decision y'all made for me. And just so you know, thank you for voting for Bash at the Beach 99. Well, thank you to everyone, actually, who voted in the poll. Uh, hopefully we can do a lot more of these in the near future. I don't want to do a lot of them. I want to make them more special. Uh, with the WWE pay-per-view stomping grounds coming up, I uh, can't really think of a pay-per-view that would be of great note to do, but I think we're going to do a Slammiversary review probably the week before or the uh, maybe two weeks before. I'll put that poll up uh, rather soon. Ring of Honor had the state-of-the-art pay-per-view events. They had TV. They had the NWA stuff. A lot of things were going on in Ring of Honor. So let's get to state-of-the-art. State-of-the-art had Flip Gordon defeat Dalton Castle, PJ Black, and Roosh. Good match overall. Uh, Cole Cabana defeated Mark Briscoe to retain his NWA National Heavyweight Championship. Um, we have Silas Young defeating Hio De Squid Jr. for in a pure wrestling match. Yes, this is this is a thing. Hio De Squid, by the way, if you want any notes of him, as this is his only match that he has. He don't even have a name. He doesn't even have a date of birth. He is son of Squid Jr. As preposterous that sounds. Son of Squid Jr. Maybe he's the son of Squidward. Who knows? PCO beat Jay Briscoe by disqualification. Uh, Bully Ray and Shane Taylor defeated Coast to Coast. Those two young kids I like. Uh, Jay Lethal beat Kenny King by disqualification. Interesting decision there. Uh, considering that uh, Kenny King won the first match by uh, his lethal injection finisher. And Jay Lethal gets the win by DQ. Uh, Kingdom defeated the the bruiser or the bouncers, not the bruisers. Uh, Josh Woods beat Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson uh, has been working a lot of Ring of Honor as of late, mostly for the future of Honor. He's been doing a lot of dark matches, but a big opportunity for him in day one of the Showwear Center here in Kent, Washington. Jeff Cobb beat Mark Haskins, and finally Matt Taven did beat Tracy Williams to retain the Ring of Honor world title. Uh, We go on to day two, which uh, wasn't talked about mostly for its show. We'll get to that. Day two had Tracy Williams defeat Bully Ray in an Anything Goes match. By the way, we're in the Viking Pavilion in Portland. Apparently this is a 7,000-seat arena that drew about 400 people. Um, I, I, I just don't get it. Why? The only thing I could think of is it's cheap. But I just it looks bad. If you have a seven thousand seat arena, and you only can sell four hundred tickets, 
Here's another thing. Ring of Honor has way more of a name than MLW does. Yet, MLW probably doubled Ring of Honor's attendance this week. I know Ring of Honor's on the back, on the, not the back burner, but they're in the rebuild mode. They lost, they lost Cody, they lost the Bucks. They lost uh, a bunch of people. Obviously. But you're telling me that Ring of Honor, the name, Ring of Honor, the name can't draw more than MLW, who's a glorified startup, a startup company. And Impact, too, as tarnished as Impact's name is, or in TNA's name, they still outdraw Ring of Honor for the most part. And I actually did a, a, a look at the um, attendances that the Ring of Honor average attendance is down. This is also including the Madison Square Garden show. They're down overall, I think by like 15, 20% from the previous year. It's obviously a rebuild year, but 400 people compared to Impact, who's going to get, they can get four, they can get 500, maybe 600 600 or 700 for their TV tapings. I know they have a larger... I don't even know if they even have a larger larger name on TV now with Pursuit, but... I mean, Ring of Honor is not that hard to find. You can go on their app, watch it live, or watch their latest show on their app. Uh, you can go on Fight, watch it for free on their app. Uh, it's on syndicated TV. Um, I know here... In Texas, at least, it's on the uh, NESN. Doesn't really have like a set time of when it comes on. It just kind of comes on whenever it wants to. But I know it's on there. There's ways to find it. There's always ways to find Ring of Honor. Yet, um, I don't know. They just have not a lot of buzz. Uh, Maserati defeated Danica Della Roge in about five minutes. Theater in about five minutes. Jeez. What is that? Sorry about that. Jeez. Cheap headphones. Got them at HEB for five bucks. I'll probably go get some more. Um, where was I? Sorry. Maserati defeated Danica Della Roge in five minutes. Um, we'll get to the post thing, the post afterwards. Mark Briscoe defeated Josh Woods in 11 minutes. Good showing from Josh Woods, but Briscoe's the bigger name. Jeff Cobb defeated PJ Black in 12 minutes. And here's something I don't need. A 34-minute tag team gauntlet with the bouncers winning. And it's the Voros brothers. Shane Taylor and Silas Young. Dalton Castle and Roosh, for whatever reason. Coast to Coast and The Kingdom. 34 minutes. I don't like these tag team gauntlets. If it goes somewhere for the bouncers, good for them. But uh, I don't. I would like to see it. I mean, if they did a tag team title shot, good for them. But otherwise, this match just seemed like it was pointless. I don't think they even said it was for the uh, Ring of Honor tag team title shot. Uh, Jay Lethal beat Jay Briscoe. 25-minute match. They never have, they're incapable of having a bad match together. And then the main event, interesting decision here. Matt Taven pinned Flip Gordon to, oh, he never gets a title shot as long as Taven has the belt. 
He also beat Mark Haskins and PCO in the four-way. So, interesting, interesting decision. I like that they're making Taven look strong. It's refreshing. I'm not used to that, based on the uh, WWE logic. I still remember the time that they made Seth Rollins lose majority of his um, his TV matches. Just randomly. He lost so many matches on TV. So that was state of the art. I didn't get to see a lot of it based on based on my trip in Cabo and just getting back. But uh, because Honor Club, believe it or not, is not very kind in uh, Cabo. You would think with the CMLL deal that they would be very friendly to uh, the Mexican uh, audience. But that wasn't the big story. This was happening in Portland at the state-of-the-art event. After the women's match, I said, the Allure, which is Ring of Honor's version of the beautiful people. Angelina Love, Matt, or not Madison Rain, Velvet Sky, and Mandy Leon. So apparently, um, this fan posted on Twitter, his name is Josh Ketch. He attended the show and claimed security brought him backstage to be confronted and intimidated by Bully Ray, a.k.a. Mark LaMonaco, for heckling the allure over the course of several matches, as according to the Wrestling Observer and Figure Four Online. Ketch claims he wasn't being vulgar and was both struck and spat on by Leon in addition to being insulted by Sky. Ketch says that he was pretty much being intimidated and told not to do what he was supposed to do, which is absolutely bizarre. You don't really hear anything like that of security taking a fan backstage and bringing him to the, who is apparently the booker, um, and told be a respectful fan. It's strange. Now, I wasn't there. I can't say. Um, Ketch has tweeted that uh, he was yet to be contacted by Ring of Honor. Uh, Ring of Honor has stated, and this is a quote, Ring of Honor prides itself on providing a fun and entertaining environment for both our fans and wrestlers to experience pro wrestling at the highest level. Fans are encouraged to cheer, boo, and chant during the show while wrestlers interact both positively and in rivalry. As that is engagement that makes the Ring of Honor experience what it is, wrestlers interacting with fans is the core to the experience. However, under no circumstances should any of our athletes or staff confront or engage fans out of the bounds of this entertainment experience or out of the bounds or outside the bounds of the area that hosts this experience. We hold all of our athletes and staff members to the highest standards, and because of the actions over the weekend, we fell short of meeting those standards. We're still in the process of investigating this matter as well as reviewing and assessing internal security protocols to ensure a safe environment for all fans and athletes. All of our athletes and staff will also be trained and reminded of our policies and protocols for fan interaction and appropriate behavior in all situations. They went on to apologize for the matter that transpired the past weekend, and it does not reflect who we are as an organization or how we engage with our fans. And then blah, 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 talking about how Ring of Honor is great with their fans. This is not a good look.
for Ring of Honor. If this is true, which uh, Bully apparently is not dodging it, he tweeted. Uh, he admitted to talking to Ketch backstage, but said he did not intimidate him and was merely sticking up for the allure after Ketch crossed the line, citing other fans who can back up that Ketch was out of line during both nights of the Pacific Northwest tour. Um, Leon and Sky accused Ketch of verbal sexual harassment on Twitter. Um, Sky called the comments lewd and disgusting. While Leon said he was just scratching for attention and extremely inappropriate with his comments on both nights. Angelina Love tweeted it was sexual and verbal harassment, adding fans don't act the way you did. I looked directly in your eyes. You had evil intent in them. Reaction from fans and media has been expectedly mixed, saying that he's been out of line and that has been an issue at other shows in the region. Others just say he did nothing wrong and that the talents overstepped their boundaries. Like they said, they are looking into the matter. Uh, we can't really say. Can't really say all that's going on. We don't really know all the details. If this guy was indeed a jerk and being a asshole to these to these women wrestlers, um, this guy should be kicked out if they were as bad as they say they were. Now, um, Velvet Sky obviously has been in the business as long as most of the people on that roster. She knows, I feel like she has a good understanding of what's good heat and just being rude. However, it's wrestling. And if the comments are not that bad, then this is being blown way out of proportion. I'm looking at both sides. I'm not saying anyone's right or wrong. I'm saying if. If the comments made were not that bad, like some people are saying, some people are saying he was over over the line, the Bully Ray, out of anybody, should understand that... It's just heel heat. He should know out of anybody. Uh, he has said some very horrible things to people. He almost caused a riot in Dayton in an ECW pay-per-view one time for some of the messed up things he could he said back in the day. Um, You know, it's a different time, obviously. Can't say the certain things that you could say back then in 1998. It's, we're just going to have to wait and see on this issue. I'm not going to comment and say, I for sure know he did it. I, we don't know. Um, does Bully Ray get any sort of... Does he get any sort of uh, reprimand it? Does he get any punishment? Probably not. He's got a pretty big um, high, high seat in the order over there at Ring of Honor. It does look, it does look bad that... People, and probably the girls, have gotten these sexual harassment claims before. And you kind of wonder, you know, Velvet Sky is dating Bully Ray. I mean, do you wonder, is it him sticking up for the fandom, saying the fandom was out of line, or is it sticking up for Velvet Sky? Which, in his right, he can do. I mean, that's his... That's his girlfriend. They've been together for a long time. Tell me, tell me any 
of you people that have girlfriends, if someone was talking terrible things to your girlfriend, wouldn't you want to go and defend her? That's my thought. That's my take on that. We go on our final topic of the evening. Thank you all for this very evil decision of y'all. Bash at the Beach, 1999. This is our Bash at the Beach review. You know, I, I got my uh, I got my tequila sunrise. I was sitting in my linen pants. Yeah, I have linen pants. Go ahead, laugh. And I was sitting on the beach. And I plug in my laptop. And for whatever reason, Dirty Network works. Uh, it didn't work today in my own house. But it works fine in Cabo. Um, I go on the beach on this nice comfy couch. You know, all beached out. Ready for bash at the beach. You know, it's like fitting. And then I get this hot heaping pile of garbage. I mean garbage. One of the worst shows of... Not just... This was bad for WCW standards. That's bad. It's very, very bad. Uh, We are in the National Car Rental Center in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. This is the building where the Florida Panthers play play hockey. On July 11th, 1999, 13,624 people were at the show. Think about that for a second. There, This company is dead in, uh, in about 18 months. That is insane. All right, my computer has 5%, so i got to make this semi-quick. Uh, Ernest the Cat Miller beat Disco Inferno. This is a battle of who can dance more or dance better. Uh, I love Disco Inferno, but he's actually a babyface in this match. The cat is entertaining. Uh, they don't put on good wrestling matches together. Uh, if I had my Meltzer scale, this is what I have. I have half a star. This was no good. Eight minutes. And the cat won the match. He won it with the feliner kick, his little Trouble in Paradise-style martial arts kick. Uh, Rick Steiner and Van Hammer for the world television title. Here's your pay-per-view match. Three minutes and five seconds. Rick Steiner beat Van Hammer in a just god-awful match. I'm going to say that a lot. Uh, dud. David Flair and Dave Malenko for the U.S. title. Whew. Okay, I'm actually going to say a lot about this. This was another three-minute match. I looked at this match on paper and thought, if anyone is going to get a really good match out of David Flair, it's going to be Dean Malenko. First off, Dean Malenko being a U.S. title match, I never even knew happened. I was saying good for him. But I could see why he left in about five months. Dean Malenko dominates this match. Uh, David Flair has Rick by his side, who is the storyline president. He also has Little Nate, a.k.a. Charles Robinson, with him, who is the referee in his pocket. Sounds very familiar. Sounds very NWO-ish. Uh, he has Tori Wilson, who I think was going by Samantha at this time. And uh, Asia, who was the um, essentially WCW's version of China. So... Dean dominates David, and 
Rick tries to get involved. That doesn't work. Asia tries to get involved. That doesn't work. Uh, Tori tries to get involved. That doesn't work. Arn Anderson's even in there. Wait, Arn Anderson in 1999, people. Um, this was just a shit show. I mean, that, that's being nice to shit shows. David Flair retained after Ric Flair bounced that U.S. title on the back of Malenko's head. He falls. Charles Robinson knocks out the original referee, puts the referee shirt on, and counts three on a beat-up David Flair who didn't get one offensive move in the match. Now I get it. This was meant to piss people off. This is not a good thing to piss people off. This is not the kind of thing I would buy the next pay-per-view for. I don't really care. David Flair, a poor guy. Heard he's a nice guy. Um, he just was not cut out for the wrestling business. That's just the truth. He just wasn't properly... He may have been if you gave him a chance, but they threw him out there. Not only threw him out there, threw him out there and pushed him when they knew he wasn't ready. They knew he wasn't ready. Ugh, this was the. This might have been the worst match of the night. Might have been. We'll get to the. I'll think about it once I keep saying other ones. Uh, the No Limit Soldiers and the West Texas Rednecks. Whoever came up with this genius idea, um, should not they. WCW, I think, does not know how to book wrestling. They're a wrestling company that doesn't understand wrestling. It's probably because they don't have people that are, they don't have wrestling people in power. Uh, the Lone Limit Soldiers, who are Rey Mysterio Jr., Conan, B.A., who is Brad Armstrong, the late great Brad Armstrong, and Swole, who is Master P's cousin that is trying his hand at wrestling. Keep in mind, WCW is a southern company and does majority of their shows in the south. Do you think they're going to go for the hip-hop No Limit Soldiers, or do you think they're going to go for the West Texas Rednecks? I'm not a rocket scientist, but I think they're going to go for the West Texas Rednecks. And sure enough, they did, especially in Florida. Uh, They went against Kurt Henning, Barry Windham, Kendall Windham, and Bobby Duckham Jr. Um, Wrestling fans already notorious for being rednecks anyway. Especially in Florida, they were cheering the West Texas rednecks because Kurt Henning, they love Kurt Henning. Um, this is a 15 and a half minute uh, elimination, Survivor Series style. BA is the only person who gets uh, pinned for the No Limit Soldiers. Uh, Bobby Duncan was eliminated by Rey Mysterio. Uh, Kendall Wyndham, I believe, was eliminated by Conan. And Barry Wyndham and Conan were counted out, both. And then Swole and Mysterio uh, double-teamed to eliminate Kurt Henning. One star. This was a really good match on this show. Second best match on the card. And it sucked. It just was boring, lifeless, and ahead of its time of baby faces getting booed and uh, heels getting cheered. And then this monstrosity, the Junkyard Invitational match. This was, I guess, WCW's, I think it was WCW's experiment in a hardcore division. Well, I guess they thought this worked because they would have a hardcore title in the next couple of months. Um, I don't even remember everyone that was in this freaking thing. There was so much stuff. 
that was going on during this match. There was people flying on cars. There were people, there was exploding barrels, people throwing each other and compactors. Very ugly, ugly looking brawling. And, you know, on paper, it doesn't sound that bad. After 14 minutes of it, though, 14 minutes, people, 14 minutes, it gets old. It gets very old very fast. Um, Horace Hogan, the public enemy, Jerry Flynn, um, L.A. Park, um, Cyclope, uh, who else was in there? Uh, Silver King, who just passed away. Oh my god, I don't even... I, did I say Horace Hogan already? Steven Regal, he was in this match. I didn't even know he was in WCW 99. I think he was just a one-off. But you honestly never know. You never know with WCW. They had they had people under contract. You know, they had Lanny Poffo on a, allegedly on a $500,000 contract and never even used him one time. Same with the gorgeous George name, which we'll talk about her in a second. Um, anyway, Fit Finley won by climbing a cage. And by a cage, that's actually not what I should say. It's a fence. A very... Fit Finley's about maybe six foot. Uh, There's about a seven foot fence. And he climbed over it and just won. He won this trophy, I guess. This was terrible too, believe it or not. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah, the show, the show is terrible. It gets worse. Actually, it gets better here. This is the only good match. Three-on-two handicap match for the tag team titles, again. Um, not saying that this is totally out of the realm of possibility, but uh, it's, again, wacky wacky stuff. The Jersey Triad of DDP, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Canyon. DDP, or sorry, not DDP, uh, Canyon and Bam Bam Bigelow, two guys that have left our earth way too soon. Two very, very talented, and just overall nice people from what I've heard. Um... They beat Chris Benoit, Chris Benoit and Perry Saturn to retain the tag team titles. A very entertaining match. It had it went 23 minutes. They gave him time. It was slow burner, hot finishes, near fall after near fall, diving headbutts, people flying all over the place, people hitting each other with belts. There's trash cans. It was wacky at the end, but it, it, damn it, it was entertaining. Three and a half stars. Thought it was a very entertaining match. Uh, DDP hits a diamond cutter on Perry Saturn to retain the tag team titles. And they made Benoit and Saturn look good and uh, for a three-on-two handicap match. Made them look really good. Okay, this might actually be worse than the... Um, you know, I, I think I'm going to go with... I'm, I'm going to go with this as the worst match. I thought it was David Flair. That just made me angry. The junkyard match almost put me asleep. And then this match was just beyond stupid. Beyond any belief. Buff Bagwell defeated Rowdy Roddy Piper in a boxing match. What is the wrestling's obsession with having fake boxing matches? Special referee was Judge Mills Lane. For those of you who don't know, was the uh, infamous boxing judge of the uh, Tyson-Holyfield fight where Tyson bit Holyfield's ear off. Uh, he also was a uh, celebrity um, judge, like a Judge Judy at the time. He was pretty big in 1999, as silly as that sounds. Um, from everything that I remember, it was very boring. Very, very boring. 
bad boxing. This is, I believe, Piper's second or third fake boxing match he's had. Scripted boxing match, sorry. Piper then puts, or Flair, you know, Piper is uh, Flair's vice president, so he's a heel at this time, Buff Bagwell. Uh, Piper puts some, I guess, rubbing alcohol or some substance on the gloves, and he starts jabbing it into his eyes, and he goes down. And once he, once Judy Bagwell, yes, Judy Bagwell, his mom, who we had to have a big entrance for, the most overpushed um, act in WCW history, Buff Bagwell um, got the got the stuff out of his eyes, and then proceeded to um, power slam Roddy Piper. Beat up Flair. I think he hit a drop kick as well. And then he goes up to the top rope and hits his blockbuster. And then pins Roddy Piper. And Mills Lane counts him out like it's a boxing count to three. And he wins. He wins the boxing match with a wrestling pinfall. But that's settling. That's... Ugh. Oh my god. It actually gets a little better. That's not saying much. Macho Man Randy Savage with gorgeous George and Medusa. By the way, they paid millions, millions of dollars to get the trademark of Gorgeous George. That plans dropped, so they gave it to a random valet. Randy Savage and Sid Vicious. His first pay-per-view match. It's a tag team match. For the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Again, weird, wacky shit that doesn't really make any sense on paper. They're going against Kevin Nash and Sting. Where Sting can actually become the champion if he wins this match. So why is he helping Kevin Nash is beyond me. At least Savage and Sid were partners. So that makes sense. Now, they kind of made sense of it at first. In the promo package, because Flair and Piper were teaming up and came up with this brilliant idea that they were going to screw Nash out of the title and teaming up with Sting, who does apparently doesn't like Nash. And then they show Sting beating up Nash at the end of it. So you think Sting's in the pocket of Flair and Flair and Piper, or they think or now they think that it's not Sting, or it's a Sting clone, or whatever. It's a fake Sting. It's a fake. It's Jeff Farmer, not the jumping Jeff Farmer, but the uh, the Jeff Farmer, the NWO Sting. He came back, I guess, in '99 because they don't know who this is. You know, with even without the NWO, they still seem like they're doing the same shit in 1999 that they were doing in 1996 and '97 and '98, all the years. It's the same thing, just different people. Not even that different. So Savage looks like a giant um, bronze turd at this time. He is so jacked, it doesn't even look like Randy Savage. So this is when his in-ring work deteriorated very heavily. Uh, I can't even tell you really anything that happened in this match, other than the finish, where um, Savage... 
or Sid power slammed Nash. Savage hits the elbow and retain or regains the title. And that's kind of all that happened. There wasn't any big swerve. There wasn't really any interference. I mean, there was interference from Medusa and Gorgeous George, who sting, stinger splashed. That was funny. No flair, no Piper, no anybody. Which, if you were sick of Ric Flair by now, um, you didn't get him in this match. This match sucked, though. It was just boring. It was lifeless. It didn't have anything. Even Michael Buffer seemed bored. Bobby Heenan seemed bored. How could you not? This show was terrible. So the show ends with Rick or with Randy Savage retaining the title. And to be honest, um, I'm kind of wrestled out already just talking about that one. So hopefully you liked um, the Bash at the Beach review. Hopefully you enjoy the show. Uh, Nick, Irene, and I'm signing off for episode number two. Uh, we'll be back at our usual time on Thursday. Uh, still trying to figure out all the podcasting uploading things. But uh, if you like, uh, go on iTunes, go on Spotify, and hit that subscribe button and let me know how you feel, whether you love it or hate it. Tell me I rock, tell me I suck. Doesn't matter. I love the feedback. Catch y'all later.